From Cerevelle Therapeutics, this is the Cerevelle Drug Hunters Podcast. Now here is your host, Cerevelle's Chief Scientific Officer, Dr. John Ranger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast on CNS Drug Hunters. My name is Dr. John Ranger, PhD, and I'm the Chief Scientific Officer of Cerevelle Therapeutics. This podcast series is dedicated to exploring in detail the inner warnings and the motivators for driving the commitment of brilliant and talented CNS drug hunters that have found a career path through Cerebral Therapeutics with our laboratories and offices located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This is a rare opportunity to get inside the heads of the people who are ultimately responsible for bringing important new medications to individuals with debilitating diseases of the nervous system, such as epilepsy, Parkinson's, schizophrenia, and Alzheimer's disease. Join me now in speaking with Dr. Rick Briscoe, Senior Vice President of Preclinical Toxicology and oversees the labs at Cerebell Therapeutics. Good morning, Rick. Great to have you join me today for this discussion, and welcome to the podcast series of Unraveling the Mysteries of the Brain, Getting to Know and Understand the CNS Drug Hunter. Thanks for inviting me, John. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you today and share my background with everybody. Excellent. Thank you. So really appreciate your willingness to share your time and your, your personal background with us so that we can get a little better understanding of what it is to be a drug hunter and uh, what drives the motivations that you have in pursuing this career choice. So to begin, I think it's best to have you introduce yourself, including your title, what you do at Cerebell specifically, but perhaps in a simple way so that everyone can understand in the search for drugs for new patients with central nervous system disorders. Yeah, great. Sure. I'm the Senior Vice President of Safety Assessment and Research Operations. And fundamentally, what my team does are kind of three major things. We evaluate the safety of our investigational compounds. My group also manages the regulatory document and report preparation of all of our non-clinical sections for regulatory filings and reports. And then we also manage the scientific operations side of of Cerevel CSO organization. And uh, those three big areas encompass a lot of interesting functions. Within safety, what the team does is evaluate and characterize uh, using animals and in vitro systems, the safety profile for our medicines to make sure that before we dose human beings for the first time, we characterize those effects in a way that enable safe clinical trials. Fundamentally, we want to enable safe clinical development and not risk injuring patients. And so the next big function really that my team does is the safety assessment operations group. And the safety assessment operations group really focuses a lot on the non-clinical sections of our regulatory submissions, helping prepare the non-clinical sections of the investigator brochure, making sure all of the administrative workings of the reports in terms of how they're formatted are going to be compliant with what the expectations are for the regulatory agencies. And this team is really sort of the last QC step for everything we do before it goes to regulatory agency within non-clinical. So very fundamental to, to what we do. The third big area for my team is the research operations space. Uh, That team really focuses on non-clinical project management support for all of the non-clinical teams, help manage our vendors, tracks our statements of work, our POs. Uh, We have the environmental health and safety function of the whole organization within research operations. Also, managing the lab and the infrastructure of the lab that supports what the scientists do. 
There's a lot of very complex inner workings that no one ever really sees that ensure the success of our scientists. Great. Thanks, Rick. So it's a bit of a activities that you guys oversee. So thanks for sharing the detail there. Now, um, I got a little surprise. So to get you in the kind of right baseline and uh, mental state for the rest of the questions, I got a little quizlet for you. And we're going to kick it off with a lightning round of questions. And these will help you get your <laughs> neurotransmitters flowing a bit and, you know, those frontal areas of the brain. So a few of these just to get going. So if you could be anywhere right now, Rick, where would you be? I'd be at home with my family. Nice. So if you had to choose any other career, what would it be? Probably would have been a firefighter. Nice. <laughs> we might have to delve into that one. What's your one word to describe Cerebell? Exciting. Great. And who's the one person you look to up to the most as a role model? Probably my grandfather. Cool. And what is the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Persevere even when I fail, and I fail a lot. <laughs> Excellent. Alrighty, so now let's get into the uh, little bit more uh, challenging questions. So could you share with us, Rick, a little bit about the highlights of your experience that's have shaped your career and uh, led you now ultimately to join us here at Cerebell? And then maybe focus on any of your childhood stage plans for a career choice and then what those things were, those events in your life that you experienced either in your education or some of your early job experience that actually led you to where you're at today. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a small town in Michigan, and I wasn't really very good at school growing up. I was kind of bored and actually really struggled a bit. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my you know childhood times for a career. But fortunately, I did well enough to get into college. And in college, I really discovered neuroscience there. One of the professors I met, Gary Dunbar, is a young professor just getting started, setting up a lab. And he was really the one that sort of springboarded me into neuroscience. So uh, that was an important part of my early career. I went to grad school uh, in Oklahoma, did a postdoc, and um, that was really uh, helpful in shaping my career and interest in neuroscience. Then the first job I had out of uh, my postdoc was at a contract research organization. And I spent a few years there leading the safety pharmacology group. And during that time, that company was actually a startup as well. And, and really was emerging uh, in the contract research organization world as a, as a new company. So I, I experienced growing that company very rapidly, which was quite exciting, actually, a lot of fun. It was also very hard work to grow a company. From there, I, I moved on to Merck. I got recruited to Merck, and I led the safety pharmacology team at Merck for uh, several years when I first started there. And then had several different jobs along the way. I was the head of cardiometabolic therapeutic area for a couple years within non-clinical safety. I had an interesting job working in the strategy office in corporate for a couple years on a rotational assignment. So I got to work with a CEO in the executive committee of Merck very closely for a few years, which is pretty interesting. And then the last 10 or so years I was there, I was the... uh, neuroscience and ophthalmology therapeutic lead within non-clinical safety. So very similar to what I do at Cerebell in terms of safety work um, I, I did at that time. And so I, I took all of that stuff I learned at Merck and came to Cerebell, and that's how I uh, got to learn what I, I, I learned. Oh, amazing background. Thanks, Rick. So 
Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about what was foundational for you in considering next steps and what were your, some of your motivations for making some of the decisions and what were the things that you had to consider as you made your career choices and went kind of from position to position? And then as a follow-up question, what, what did you learn about yourself as you progressed through some of the experiences that, that changed or reinforced or clarified what it is that you wanted to do in those next steps? Yeah, sure. So, you know, thinking back when I was in my childhood, I saw a lot of interesting examples that I didn't appreciate at the time of why I became a scientist. So my grandfather, you know, he only went to school through the eighth grade, but he was the kind of person that could figure out anything and was super inquisitive about the world. And I really learned, I think, from him, my inquisitiveness and, you know, my drive to be a scientist. That's kind of one of the foundations. And then, you know, other thing, my mom let me and my brother just go in the kitchen and just make up recipes and just cook. And um, we failed a lot, but sometimes we didn't and it was really good. And so it was pretty funny, you know, thinking back to uh, the disasters in the kitchen. We didn't burn the house down miraculously. You know, we, we really gained a lot from that early time. And then, you know, through my childhood, I, I did a lot of other things that sort of built off of that. But then when I got to college, one of the most important things I ever did for my career was to work at a facility for chronic mentally ill adults. So I spent a couple of years working as a care provider in a facility for uh, individuals that really couldn't live independently. These are people that were really suffering with schizophrenia and other chronic mental illnesses. And there was a patient there that I worked with named Roseanne. Roseanne was uh, just a, a wonderful person, but she really, really suffered with schizophrenia. And there was a time where she couldn't live independently at all. And she was put on a new medication called Clozaril. And Clozaril is a pretty remarkable antipsychotic with its mechanism of action, but it also has some pretty bad potential side effects. And, and Roseanne was almost completely able to, to live independently. And then she got this one side effect called agranulocytosis, which results in basically all your white blood cells dying. And Roseanne almost died from that event. And then uh, when she came back to the facility after uh, coming out of the hospital for treatment, she was back to her, her herself prior to Clozaril and really was not able to be independent. So seeing that event happen where the medicine she was on completely transformed her life in a good way, and then soon after, she completely was back because of, of this side effect and almost died. And, and that, it was that experience that really was transformational for me to really know that I can help do something better for patients. And that's how I kind of got to that point that really changed my career path. Yeah, really compelling. Thank you. So just to continue on this theme of career progression, could you tell us a little bit more about how you learned about Cerebell and then what specifically piqued your initial interest in, in, the, in this company in particular? And then additionally, what, what you're thinking is on how this opportunity fit in is the next appropriate stage in your career progression, on your ultimate journey. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, of course, I was at Merck, and so we always track competitors and how competitors are, are progressing with each other. And it was really interesting to me to note that Pfizer, a company that had a, a rich, rich history in drug discovery and development in the neuroscience area, 
had made the strategic business decision to, to spin out their entire neuroscience portfolio. I thought that was really interesting. As a Merck employee, it was good news for me because I, I thought we had one less competitor to worry about in the world. So I didn't really think much of it at the time. And then uh, at Merck, a lot of the transformation in the R&D spend at Merck had shifted more towards oncology. And I really wanted to develop neuroscience drugs, and it, it looked like Merck continued to invest less and less focus in neuroscience. And so it was, it was a you know an interesting opportunity when you actually called me up, John, and uh, <laughs> said, you know, I've got this interesting opportunity, and I had kind of heard about the neuroscience portfolio at Pfizer, and and then uh, oh, a new company is being formed. For me, it was the perfect opportunity in my career. I wanted to invest my career for the rest of my time in developing neuroscience drugs. I wasn't confident I'd get to do that at Merck. My wife, who is a saint for sure, was very supportive and my kids were out of school. So it was kind of the perfect time personally for me and professionally. And I saw Cerebell as sort of a once in a career opportunity. So I just went for it and I've never regretted it for a minute. Very cool. Thank you. So can you um, just add perhaps a little bit of color on how your experience at Cerebell has been or aligned with your expectations and kind of what you were looking for and, uh, you know, what, what things have been really amazing and what things have been kind of, you know, more of a challenge? Sure. So I, I can tell you for sure that Cerebell has been the most challenging career move I've ever made, without a doubt. But in the same sense, it's also been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my career. And what I, I went from being employee number 25 uh, over three years ago to now we have, you know, over 250, almost 300 employees in the company in a very brief period of time. So for me, I didn't really appreciate what I was getting myself into in those early days, but I knew I was ready for anything because of what I had done in my career up to that point. And so it was a little bit a little bit challenging in those early days to get everything done that needed to be done. But the team of people that we had in in, in those early days and continue to build the, the team we have at Cerebell has made everything fun, super challenging, but a lot of fun to make really important impacts on patients. Really cool. Thank you. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to change directions just slightly. And um, I think maybe for people that are listening, it would be really helpful maybe to share a little bit about what it is that inspires you. You know, what gets you up in the morning, gets you up at, and I know you're an early riser and you come in before almost anybody, but what, you, what gets you in so early, you know, what, what helps you get over those hurdles and then keeps you coming back every day, even though, you know, both of us really realize that, you know, the odds of being able to be successful in bringing a new drug to market are, are not, not very good. So just yeah. a little bit about what, what is the inspiration for you? Yeah, so, um, you know, we talk about patience a lot in our business. And for me, that's truly what inspires me. But when we talk about patience, I think more than just in the, in the general sense, patience. You know, the experiences I've had in my career working with the psychiatric patients that I mentioned uh, I also worked at a nursing home for with a memory care facility for a year, and I saw the impact on families and patients for degenerative neurological diseases. For me, the, those were really important things. And then, 
you know, through my life, I've had family members and, and friends that have had, you know, some pretty fundamental problems with neurological diseases. So I've really seen the impact. And what, one person in particular that really changed me in the last few years was seeing my grandmother. My grandmother had uh, dementia, and uh, the last couple of years were pretty, pretty challenging for her. And in particular, the last couple of years, she really suffered from dementia-related psychosis. And seeing that happen to an amazing person was really hard. That's what gets me going. Thanks for that, Rick. Appreciate that. So let's change again slightly a little bit. And can you talk about creativity, the role it plays? And, um, you know, I think we both understand that, you know, we have to constantly come up with new ideas, creative solutions. You know, when you're, when you're living at the leading edge of science, and particularly in neuroscience, it seems like that there's almost everything we do this <laughs> the first time or really <laughs> a lot harder than uh, what others have experienced. And so when you're trying to think out, think Mother Nature and the challenges that, that come our way, what is it that enables the creativity for you, maybe for your team as well? And then when you feel like you're completely stumped and you have to rededicate yourself and in, in the talents and your experience to getting over these these hurdles that we run into, you know, what is it what is it you do to help you get over those and, and get around it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I truly believe it, it its foundations. Having a diverse team is is the most important factor in working through some of these challenges. I, I think what we do in drug development, hunting drugs is probably the most complicated thing that human beings do. We're basically inventing something that never existed before, and we're going to try and change a disease that we don't actually understand as well as we, I mean, the scientific community really should understand. And so the only way to get there is to have a really diverse team. And hearing diverse perspectives and making sure all voices are heard is is one of the most critical parts of that. I think, you know, when you get to that point where things are really tough and frustrating, it, it always goes back to remembering why we're doing what we're doing and also being humble. You know, most of what we do fails probably because we don't really understand the biology as well as we want to. But being humble about that lack of understanding is fundamental to really getting to the next stage. So for me, humility is probably the number one important factor. Really good insights. Thanks, Rick. So, I think people that are listening might want to better understand or maybe appreciate hearing a little bit about, you know, what your perspective is on what is your ultimate career goal? Is this is this a part of your career or is this is this feel like this is, you know, the culmination? Just talk to me a little bit about your goals, how Cerebell plays into it. You know, what, what are you thinking, you know, kind of personally about what's ahead for you? I think I've come to realize that what I truly love to do is bring medicines to patients, and Cerevel's allowing me to do that. And so I, I can't think of a better opportunity in my career than than doing that. Uh, I hope to be able to do it at Cerevel for a long, long time. Whether it's at Cerevel or, or somewhere else, that's what I want to do. So I, I really look forward to being able to impact human health in that way, sort of as the culmination of my career. I think I've acquired a skill set that allows me to make an impact that uh, that others may not. So I really want to continue doing that. Um, that's kind of fundamental of what I want to do for my career. Really good. Thank you. All right. 
going to end up on this question. So for everyone that's uh, joining us today, what is it that you would want them to most appreciate or understand about what it is that you do that they might not fully understand or see or appreciate and, you know, trying to understand what role, you know, safety pharmacology and, and all the other things that you guys are, are tackling to bring drugs to people. What is it that you really want them to understand that they wouldn't necessarily see from looking in from the outside? Yeah, so I, th I think a few things. I think I want people to understand that what happens to bring a drug to market is not seen by most people. 99.9% .9 of what's done is not seen. And in the non-clinical safety space, non-clinical research space, we really don't see what happens on, on the outside world. But what I'd like people to know is that the people that do this job are very dedicated professionals and they truly care about people. And all they want to do is, is make the world a better place. And that's something that often we don't talk about or get recognized for. Really, really good. Thank you. So can't tell you how much uh, I enjoyed uh, spending some time together, not uh, just pouring over data and uh, regulatory issues. So thank you, Rick, for joining. And I really want to thank you for your, your, you know, the personal side that you brought to the discussion today. I think that it's illuminating for, for even people within Cerebell, but particularly for people that are trying to figure out what it is like to be a drug hunter. So, you know, I really want to Thank you for your dedication to discovering new medicines and, and all the work and effort you put into this job every day. And so on behalf of Cerebell and the patients that we're attending to treat, hopefully someday, we're relying on you and we really appreciate everything that is that you're bringing to your job every single day. So thanks, Rick. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in today's podcast on CNS Drug Hunters. This is a podcast series dedicated to giving everyone a rare opportunity to get inside the heads of the people who are ultimately responsible for bringing important new medicines to individuals with debilitating diseases of the nervous system. Thank you.